Would you turn in your Bibles, please, to Genesis chapter 6, Genesis 6, reading from verse 9, and then with another finger, you maybe put it in Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read one verse from Hebrews 11, 7, uh, but we'll read from Genesis 6, verses 9 to 22, Genesis 6, 9 to 22. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. Build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way round the boat. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. Look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die. But I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and a female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. And be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all the animals. So Noah did everything exactly as the Lord had commanded him. Then if you turn over to Hebrews chapter 11, to the great litany of the saints of God, the heroes of faith uh, uh, that we've been looking at, and there in verse 7, we read these words. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. Amen, and may the Lord bless His Word to our hearts this morning. Well, over these visits that I've been sharing with you, we've been looking at Hebrews 11, the Westminster Abbey of Faith, the great list of some of the heroes of the faith and how they served God in their day and generation and how their lives should be an inspiration to us. And it's great to be able to go through them because too often uh, we seldom 
visit these stories from the Old Testament about some of the great saints of God, we kind of consign them to the children. And we don't realize that this is part of the, the, the Scripture that God has given to us for us to learn from and to benefit from as we look at these great lives of faith. We started looking at Abel, and he taught us about the worship of faith. And then last time I was with you, Enoch, and the walk of faith. And now we're having a look at Noah, and he teaches us about the work of faith. Now, as soon as we mention the word work, immediately we think, oh, but we're not saved by good works. And that is very true. The Scripture tells us, Ephesians 2, 8 to 9, God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take the credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So, none of us can boast about it. Romans chapter 3, verse 20, no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. And Galatians 3.11, it's clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law, for the Scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Salvation comes as God's free gift. It can't be earned by meticulous religious observance or by the living of a good life. It can only be received by faith faith and faith alone. But the Bible also tells us that this saving faith is accompanied by good works, and that ought to be the, the testimony that faith is genuine and is real. James 2.14, what good is it if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions. Can that kind of faith save anyone? Faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, we've all met people who have talked the talk, but they haven't walked the walk. People who, whose lives have not measured up to their particular testimony. Um, like the, the chap at a rescue mission in the States, he was nicknamed Chapter and Verse Charlie. You could ask him anybody. He knew it all. Could, he could quote the verses, but it hadn't made any difference to the life he had lived and the problems that he had with alcohol and so forth. And I remember in my church in Livingston as a young minister... Uh, a couple, visiting a couple there, and they started to come to church. And he had been um, someone who had attended BTI. Those of us who are old enough can remember BTI, Bible Training Institute in Glasgow. And he had been to BTI, and, uh, and he, had, he had got it all. And so he had all the words of, of gospel faith, as it were. You know, he, he could tell you all the terms, he could explain them all. Big problem. When he lost his temper, he hit his wife. You see, the life that he was living just contradicted what he said he believed in terms of, of faith. 
If we have genuine faith in Jesus Christ, it will be demonstrated by the quality of the life that we live. And that was true for Noah. The works of faith were evident in the life of Noah and his obedience to God. He was obedient to God. His faith in God testified to an unbelieving and an ungodly generation. There's a children's chorus that we used to teach our children up in Aberdeen when I was minister there. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. And Noah was obedient, obedient to God. Now, there are two ways of, of being obedient. You can be reluctantly obedient, or you can be willingly obedient. Now, <clears throat> Noah's father was a man called Lamech, and we don't, we don't learn very much about Lamech except that he was reluctantly obedient to God. You know, everything was hard going for him. He was the kind of person who counted up what it cost him to be obedient to God and didn't let you forget it, you know? Someone who, you know, life was such a, it was such a heavy struggle. Uh, and he didn't, in his life of faith, in his walk in faith, show much spiritual enthusiasm or joy. Everything was a burden. And uh, burdens loomed larger in Lamech's life than blessings. And instead of living above the circumstances, which we all have circumstances in life which make it difficult for us, instead of rising above them, he lived beneath them. And, uh, and he just found found life hard going. And when his son was born, Genesis 5, 29, we read these words, Lamech named his son Noah, for he said, may he bring us relief from our work and the painful labor of farming this ground that the Lord had cursed. Lamech was weary with life. Well, we've all met Christians like that, haven't we? Talk about down in the mouth and everything's hard and difficult, and there's no joy. Oh, no, no joy. We've all met folk like that. And you can be reluctantly obedient to God in the same way that Lamech was, weary with life, and just hoping that something will happen to lighten, lighten the load. But Noah was different. Genesis 6, 9 tells us, Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. He was eager to obey no matter what the cost was. He was a righteous man who tried to live his life to please God. And that was a great testimony that he had, an amazing testimony. And Hebrews 11.7 says it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, 
who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. He was living his life in a way that God approved of him, and God blessed him, and God shared things with Noah that he shared with nobody else. And don't you wish you could live your life in that kind of way where you're walking close with the Lord? and that He's sharing things with you about your life that really encourage you and that really challenge you, and maybe something that you need to use to challenge others. His was a life that gained the approval of God. His life of faith has, it speaks to us, first of all, about a world that was lost through disobedience. Noah it says, was the only one that stood out for God among the people of his day and generation. A small flickering light, which could have so easily been extinguished in the sea of moral and spiritual darkness that characterized his day. When God created the world, if you remember, he saw it was good. Genesis 1.31, God looked over all he had made. He saw it was very good, but by the time of Noah, he looked at the world and he saw it was very bad. Verse 5 of Genesis 6, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth and saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. I often hear people say to me, life is going from bad to worse where's it all going to end? Well, this is where it's going to end, the Scripture tells us. We are going to, as a society, end up in exactly the same state that society was in Noah's day. Jesus tells us that. Matthew 24 and verse 37, when the Son of Man returns, it will be as it was in Noah's day. And in the Bible, God warns us, sin will inevitably bring about the righteous judgment of a holy God. The moral and spiritual conditions of Noah's day remind us that, first of all, sin is pervasive. It affects everyone. Genesis 6:11. God saw the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world for everyone on earth was corrupt. Sin makes man a casualty in this spiritual battle between God and Satan, between good and evil. Paul concludes, everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And that include, included Noah as well. Noah was not perfect. Noah was not sinless. The thing about Noah was, his desire was to live a life that honored God, and his desire was to serve God. His desire was to be obedient to God and His Word. Martin Luther said, without the Holy Spirit and without grace, man can do nothing but sin, and so goes on endlessly from sin to sin. 
That's why every new year it's New Year's resolutions. And we start off the new year saying, I'm not going to do this and I'm going to do that. And before the month is out, we've fallen back into the old ways because without God and without grace, man cannot change his life and man cannot change his society without God or without grace. Sin affects everyone. But Noah, it says, found favor with the Lord. And the reason he found favor was because of his faith and because he was earnestly seeking to walk in obedience to God. But it also affects everything. Not only affects everyone, it affects everything. Genesis 6, 5, he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. No aspect of man's being or man's life on earth had had escaped being tainted or corrupted by sin. So, sin was pervasive, but more than that, sin was also destructive. Society was corrupt and violent. God had created man in His image to live a life of holiness and perfection, but sin had spoiled this creation of God, and sin was now destroying him. It was eating away at man from the inside out. And God took an executive decision, verse 7, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. I am sorry I ever made them. It must have been a dreadful situation for God to come to the state of affairs where He regretted the fact that He had even created us in the first place. And He decides, I'm going to wipe it out. And God's a creator. He has the power and the authority and the moral right to do whatever He wishes. And He was going to wipe it all out. I am sorry I ever made them. I wonder if sometimes God looks down on us and He sees the mess we're making of things. And He looks at people in all of their sin. I wonder if He's ever tempted to say again, I'm sorry I ever made them. The world of Noah's day was lost through man's spiritual disobedience. The same thing is happening today. Sin has corrupted the heart of man. He's become morally decadent. Society is increasingly characterized by all that is against God and against God's standards. Some years ago, Newsweek carried an article called Rollover John Calvin. And it was about a controversial report on human sexuality that was to be debated by the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church USA. It was a report that said, you know, single people don't have to be celibate. It was a report that uh, said uh, marriage does not have to be between a man and a woman. Uh, we should be affirming all these things and that 
um, heterosexual marriage is the oppression of a minority by the majority. It was a very controversial report. In fact, it's, it's not too much distance from what uh, many churches, including the Church of Scotland, have been facing and wrestling with in our own day, in our own time. But the thing that caught me was the comment of the writer. He, he said it was good that they grappled with these issues, but this was what he said. The issue is how far any denomination can go in comforting its people without losing the integrity that makes the church the church. I mean, how far do you go in accommodating yourself to the views and the opinions and the lifestyle of the world today? How far do you go before you lose the things that make you distinctive as a Christian community and a Christian people and a Christian church? It's a, a very real question that we need to ask ourselves today. When the church undermines biblical teaching so that it can appear contemporary and relevant to the society of its day, then it loses its integrity. And Romans 1.18 warns, God shows His anger against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. One of these days, God's going to say again, enough's enough. And Matthew 24, 37, Jesus says, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. It's going to be a rerun of society as it was in Noah's day. A world lost through disobedience to God and to His standards and to His ways. And that's the world in which we are living today. And listen, church of Jesus Christ, for goodness sake, be the church. Stand up for biblical truth and do not compromise that truth in order to make yourself appealing to an ungodly world. Be the truth. Live the truth. Stand for the truth. A world that was lost through disobedience. Secondly, a man who was saved through obedience. In the midst of the deluge of moral decadence, one man stood out with faith and integrity. Noah found favor with the Lord. How did he find favor with God and receive God's grace? Well, because first of all, he believed in God. The people in his day and generation had turned their back on God, refused to live to God's standards. But Noah believed in God. 
Noah lived out his faith. People in our day have turned their back on God. They don't believe in Him, and they live as though they don't believe in God. Well, how does that affect you and me? Are we swept along with that current of unbelief so that we find ourselves living more like the society that is around us than the Christian family ought to be living? Are we swept along with that inexorable current that takes us further and further away from belief in God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Noah believed in God. And if you want to live a different kind of life, and if you want your life to be changed and transformed, that's where it begins. You have to believe in God the God who created you, the God who cares about you, the God who longs for you to receive grace and mercy and be filled with His love and peace. Noah believed in God. Noah also walked with God like his great-grandfather Enoch, who we looked about last time I was with you. Noah took care to develop a personal relationship with God. He wanted his life to be pleasing to God. Noah, verse 9, was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time. What a great testimony to have. Didn't say that he was without sin, but as far as God was concerned, he was blameless because he was trying to live his life according to God's standards. D.L. Moody, great American evangelist, of the 19th century, told the story of a blind man sitting at a street corner with a lantern beside him. And he was asked why, as a blind man, he needed a lantern. His reply was, so that no one may stumble over me. <laughs> Not good. So that no one may stumble over me. Noah's life was such a testimony for God. No one could say, that He had caused them to stumble. My dear brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, can you say that, that you have not caused anyone to stumble because of the way you've lived, because of the things you've said or done? That's what we need to be. Our lives need to be a shining light so that we direct people to Jesus Christ and not the kind of lives that cause people to stumble and say, well, if that's what a Christian is, I certainly don't want to be like that. But when they looked at Noah, he didn't cause anyone to stumble. He was blameless. And verse 9 says he walked in close fellowship with God. How close is your walk with God this morning? Is your life like a light shining in a dark place so that you will not cause anyone to stumble as they seek to make their way to faith. Noah not only walked with God, Noah obeyed God. When God spoke to Noah and told him to start one of the strangest construction projects ever, Noah listened and Noah obeyed. He had no idea what he was building. He'd never seen a boat. He'd probably never seen the sea before either. 
But verse 22 of Genesis 6 says, Noah did everything exactly as the Lord commanded him. It says it again in Genesis 7 and verse 5. So Noah did everything as God had commanded him. And that's why it says in Hebrews 11:7, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat. What he was asked to do was beyond anything he'd experienced before or even imagined. It took him right outside of his comfort zone. And others called him a fool and a crackpot and all the rest of it, but he trusted God and he obeyed him. And Noah's obedient faith was a testimony to a disobedient world. Down through the generations of human history, individuals have heard God speak and in trust and faith have taken their stand to obey Him in the face of the ridicule of the world around. Luther took a stand for God in his day. Here I stand, he said. I can do no other. Peter and John took a stand of obedience to God in Acts 4, 19 to 20. Do you think God wants us to obey you, they said to the religious leaders, rather than Him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. Obedience to God, taking a stand for God in our day and generation, regardless of the cost. Richard Dehan, who uh, worked with Radio Bible Class, said of his father, the founder of Radio Bible Class, some of you maybe read the notes from Radio Bible Class still. He said this, of his father. I admit he wasn't perfect. He was human. He had his faults. However, he was a man of the book. He was a man of conviction. I can recall, as if only yesterday, his words to me on one occasion. Accenting his statement by pounding his fist on the desk, he said, Richard, I don't care if the whole world differs with me. I must do what's right. I must act according to my convictions. Noah did exactly that. He believed in God. He walked with God. He obeyed God. And he revered God. It was by faith, Hebrews 11:7 says, Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about the things that had never happened before. And as he built the ark, Noah's faith was affirming God's righteousness and condemning people's sinfulness. The Apostle Peter says in 2 Peter 2, 5, Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. No more powerful a sermon to hear than Noah hammering in the nails into the wood and seeing this amazing construction take shape and listening to Noah warning people of God's impending judgment. How do you think the people responded to Noah? The same way if you were to be in the middle of Saudi Arabia or somewhere like that in the desert, and suddenly you start building a boat, and, and people say, what are you doing? And you say, God's told me to build this boat. There's coming a judgment from God, and you better get yourself right with God if you want to be saved from this. And the reaction from people? Laughter. Mockery. They didn't believe him because they didn't believe in God. 
But Noah didn't care because he revered God. He reverenced God in the way he lived his life. And I want to ask you, as we draw to a close this morning, do you have a faith that reverences God? Is pleasing God more important to you than pleasing man? Do your actions show that you want, above all else, to be known as a man or a woman, woman of God? When people were heaping accolades on William Carey at the end of his life of amazing missionary endeavors, he said, speak not of Carey, speak of Carey's Lord. Do you want to be the kind of person whose life points others to the Savior? Do you want to be the kind of person who lives in obedience to God and does what He says, and whose life is an inspiration, an example, pointing people to Jesus Christ? Noah's life of faith is that kind of testimony to a world that has turned its back on God. One day God will come, and He will judge sin and the sinner and many will be caught unprepared on that day when Jesus comes again. And we need right now to be sure that we are ready, that our lives are in a right relationship with God. Perhaps you've never made that decision before. Perhaps it's been something you've been on a journey, you've been learning of, of what the Christian faith is all about. Uh, but you, you, you kind of have come to the place where, yeah, I, I think I believe in God. You need to put your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you need to reach out to Him and ask Him to forgive you all your sins, the sin that offends Him, the sin that hurts Him, and you need to be born again, and you need to enter into the blessings and joy of salvation. Isaiah 55, 6 is the verse I want to leave you with as we draw this message on Noah to a close. Seek the Lord while you can find Him. I'm sure that was at the heart of the message that Noah preached in his day. Seek the Lord while you can find Him. Call on Him while He is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord, that He may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for He will forgive generously. People didn't listen to Noah till it was too late. Don't make the same mistake. Listen as God reaches out to you and appeals to you to come to Him, to put your faith in the Christ whom He gave so that you might be forgiven your sins and might enter into eternal life. Seek Him. Respond to Him. Come to Him. And then live and follow Him in obedience and faith. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Noah and for what he teaches us about standing for You in difficult times. Help us to be willing to stand up for the convictions we have, for the belief that we have. Help us to reflect our faith in practical ways as we live our lives for You today. 
And we pray, Heavenly Father, for any who may yet have to take that step of faith to commit their life to Jesus Christ. Lord, may, may they do that now, right now, if there are any here amongst us, any that we are praying for, even although they may not be here, your Spirit is at work in their lives. Bring them to the place of conviction and conversion. Father, we pray that we might all be able to leave this place this morning rejoicing because we know that our sins have been forgiven and we have been transformed and given a glorious future to look forward to. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.